Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Good evening. I would like to start by thanking Mike and the elders for letting me have this opportunity. I am probably about as shocked as many of you to see me up here tonight, but I assure you that it is of my own free will. Uh, I would like to point out that this morning Phil led singing and is now covering for me up in AV. Uh, Mike preached this morning and is now leading singing. I covered in AV this morning and now preaching. Let me be the first to point out that I'm glad we don't have three services because no one wants to be rotating to leading singing. <laughs> in full disclosure, this is not my first time preaching. Uh, in fact, when I went to Guyana with David Pear, he allowed me to try my hand at it when we visited the church in Wakenham Island. Hopefully this time goes a little bit better, but uh, I'll do my best not to let my nerves get the best of me. You know, the inspiration for me to preach tonight actually comes from a set of sermons Mike did last year uh, on our spiritual resumes. He challenged us to take a look at our spiritual resumes and evaluate what we have on them. You know, I have a long history of avoiding public speaking like the plague, and uh, like many of you, I try to avoid uncomfortable situations at all costs. But after many years of passing Mike's sermon ideas, I figured it might be time to try to deliver these thoughts on my own. This is one of my favorite times of year. You know, school has just finished. Even though we homeschool, it's nice to have Cameron home. Uh, you know, fishing this time of year is getting really good. The fish are biting right before the heat of summer sets in. Uh, if you're a fan of racing like I am, today's one of the best days of the year to, to watch racing. You have the Monaco Grand Prix this morning. Then the Indianapolis 500 was this afternoon. And uh, if you're a NASCAR fan like me particularly, you've got the Coke 600 to watch tonight. And so we have racing pretty much spanning the entire day. Uh, however, I asked Mike for the privilege to speak tonight specifically because tomorrow is Memorial Day. Uh, this holiday is one that I hold in the deepest regard as we remember the, those who have made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms. I have a deep and abiding respect for the men and women who have served in our military and I'm so grateful for their service. I was unable to serve due to some medical issues. However, one of my many pastimes is to read books and movies and watch things that are related to military service. I love history and often listen to audiobooks while I'm mowing or working on my computer. And I love to listen to books that deal with the lives of soldiers. I'm fascinated by how that these members of the military can endure such hardships and overcome adversity just to survive combat. I'm sure many of us can harken back to our days on VBS where we would sing the song, I'm in the Lord's Army. We would sing of marching in the infantry, riding in the cavalry, shooting the artillery. Uh, and while that's a great children's song, uh, the concept of being in the Lord's Army is a very real one. The, the Army of the Lord is a strong one and it includes every baptized believer and faithful Christian. Uh, Paul frequently referred to the concept of being a soldier in Scripture. In fact, in 2 Timothy 2.3, Paul tells Timothy, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We find also in Philippians 2.25 that Paul tells Epaphroditus. He calls him a brother, a fellow worker, and a fellow soldier. In Philemon 1, verse 2, Paul also refers to Archippus as a fellow soldier. We find in Ephesians 6.11 that we are to put on the whole armor of God so that we may stand in the evil day. And this further cements the concept that Christians are soldiers and that we must be ready for battle. A few years ago I devised this list of war movies as a way that I could be intentional about when I watched certain movies and shows so that they coincided with when the event took place of the movie or commemorated a holiday. 
For instance, uh, I begin watching Band of Brothers usually on June 5th, uh, which I'm super excited about that coming up. Uh, I then watch episode two of Band of Brothers and Saving Private Ryan in the same day on June 6th to commemorate D-Day. You know, I often find that sources outside of Scripture help me better understand biblical principles. I want to use uh, some of these moments taken from these war movies and shows on this list to highlight biblical principles that I have drawn from them and how we can apply them as soldiers of the Lord. The first moment I want to take a look at comes from one of my favorite shows, like I just mentioned, Band of Brothers. The, the miniseries Band of Brothers follows E Company, 2nd Battalion of the 506th Parachute Infantry Division of the 101st Airborne Division. Most people know them commonly by Easy Company. Easy Company has become synonymous with this man. This is Major Dick, Richard Dick Winters. Major Winters is one of the main focuses of the miniseries, and, and rightfully so. Uh, has anyone ever asked you a question such as, if you could go to dinner with five people living or dead, who would they be? For me, Major Winters would definitely be at the top of that list. I've read many books detailing his heroism and leadership, and I find his life story completely fascinating. Yet it is not Major Winters that I want to focus on right now, but his predecessor, Lieutenant Colonel Herbert M. Sobel. Easy Company began under the command of then First Lieutenant Sobel at Camp Tacoa, Georgia in 1942. Under Lieutenant Sobel's command, the men of Easy Company began their training and became the fighting force that we became familiar with through the miniseries. He instituted a strict regimen of training that was not for the faint of heart. One fixture of that training was the running of nearby Mount Currahee, which towered 1,200 feet over the camp. It was three miles up to the summit of the mountain and three miles down. The average time it took to run up the mountain was 45 minutes. While many, and I mean many, of the soldiers in Easy Company professed an extreme hatred of this man, uh, they gave Lieutenant Sobel the credit after the war for preparing them for battle. Easy Company was in such a superior state of fitness that they were prepared to endure the hardships of war because of Lieutenant Sobel's demands on his company. Their training gave them the advantage when they faced the enemy and made them elite. In one scene from this, uh, the episode, we can see a soldier being disciplined for an infraction be, and being told to run up Currahy. The soldier was told that he had 50 minutes to take off from camp and return to camp or he was going to be kicked out of the airborne. The scene then cuts to him running up the mountain alone with full pack and gear. The soldier had to average around eight minutes per mile in order to achieve his goal. The scene then cuts to uh, his fellow soldiers, a couple of his fellow soldiers in his unit coming up behind him and catching up with him. Even though these soldiers were not being punished and they weren't required to run with the soldier, they voluntarily chose to run with their brother. You know, as Christians, there are several lessons we can learn from this episode. The first is this. Do we take our training seriously for our role as soldiers in the army of the Lord? I'm sure many of you will agree with me that I am grateful that that kind of training doesn't require us to run up a mountain three miles and run three miles back down. And then, yet, we need to make sure we're focused on efforts such as reading the Bible, listening to edifying lessons and sermons outside of worship, applying the lessons that we hear inside of worship. Or, you know, definitely spending time in prayer. Are we spending th time on things that bring us closer to God? Do you take advantage of fellowship opportunities? Would you feel like you were prepared to meet the enemy? 
For we know the admonition that Peter gives us in 1 Peter 5, 8, where it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The training that these soldiers endured helped to prepare them not only to survive combat, but also taught them to depend on the man to their right or on their left. The scene of the soldiers literally going the extra mile, or extra six miles in this case, to support their brother is a great example of how we need to be with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Do we go the extra mile for each other? Would we go to battle for each other? The church has, this church particularly has always been good in that area. We have a family atmosphere, and I know with one phone call I could have an army of people on my doorstep to help me with whatever I needed. However, I believe that there is still room for us to grow in this area, and I know that that is an area that I've had to push myself personally. It seems to me that one of the ways that we can further cement the bonds of brotherhood within this congregation is to continue to find ways to be together. We, had, we have made great strides in this area over the last few years, even with rebounding from COVID. However, we can continue to do better. Just this week, we've had two opportunities to get together outside of our normal time together. We had ladies' night out on Tuesday, and then men's night out on Thursday. Obviously, I was not in attendance at ladies' night out, but Lee was, and she had a great time with all those ladies in attendance. Thursday night, the men got together and had an outstanding time of fellowship, and Howard was able to man the grill for us, and he provided us some great food. Then Mike presented us with a fascinating devotional out of Romans 16. That devotional ended up breaking out into a Bible study that lasted almost an hour. Uh, there's a spoiler alert on that. That devotional is going to be a sermon here soon, and I'm really looking forward to hearing it. Now, I fully understand there are, are many amongst us that can't come to these uh, events because we have busy lives, and, and we live in a society that keeps us going nonstop. However, I want to challenge those amongst us that could be there and chose not to be to start coming to these types of events. One of the reasons that the soldiers chose to run Curahy when they didn't have to was because they knew the soldier that they were going to support was a soldier they wanted by their side when the battle came. In like manner, there is not one person in this building tonight that we don't want to have with us when we go to battle. There's not one person here that we don't want to count as one of our brothers and sisters. If you don't attend events like Men's Night Out or Ladies' Night Out or whatever the case may be, then, and you think that you won't be missed, you are mistaken. You are valuable to this body and we want you right there with us on the front lines. The second scene I want to draw from comes from the movie We Were Soldiers. This movie follows the Battle of the Idrang that occurred in 1965 between the 1st Battalion, 7th Cavalry Regiment, 1st Cavalry Division, and the North Vietnamese Army. The United States had just begun testing a new strategy in warfare by sending soldiers into battle on helicopters and having helicopters bring in replacement soldiers and ammunition. The helicopters were also responsible for removing wounded and dead and the dead from the battlefield. And this was the first time that they were able to test the effectiveness of this strategy. If the helicopters stopped coming, then the soldiers on the ground would be massacred. The 1st Battalion was under the command of Lieutenant Colonel Harold Hal Moore. A quick side note on Colonel Moore, he was born in nearby Bardstown, Kentucky. And of particular interest to my family, he retired to live out the rest of his days after a civilian career in Auburn, Alabama. The battle had 450 U.S. soldiers surrounded by 2,000 MVA regulars. During the course of this battle, many of the American positions began to be overrun by the MVA troops. Lieutenant Colonel Moore was faced with a difficult decision on what to do. 
there was nowhere for his men to fall back to. They were surrounded. If he didn't repel the attack quickly, the whole battalion would be lost. Lieutenant Colonel Moore made the decision to call in what's called a broken arrow. This was a term that was used to initiate an all-out air assault on the enemy's positions. Uh, this would also give the soldiers time to reestablish their lines. The soldiers on the line were ordered to use special smoke grenades to mark their positions so that the aircraft would not hit their positions. As the scene unfolds, we see aircraft appear from every corner of the sky and begin to drop ordnance and, and fire their machine guns at the enemy. You can see the tide of the battle begin to shift back towards the Americans, and then the camera cuts to the forward air controller, who is responsible for directing the aircraft, as he realizes that one of the aircraft is about to make a horrible mistake. The forward air controller begins to scream into the radio for the pilot to pull up, but it's too late. The pilot mistakenly drops his ordnance right on one of the American positions. The forward air controller can only stare in horror as he sees the results of his his and his pilot's error. Moments later, Colonel Moore snaps the forward air controller back to the task at hand and assures him that he's doing a great job and he just needs to shake that one off. When this type of thing happens, it is called friendly fire. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we must avoid friendly fire. Friendly fire in the church could uh, come in several forms. It could come in the form of how we treat somebody or, or how we ignore somebody or it seems more often that it's what we say to one another. In James chapter 2, chapter, or I'm sorry, James 3, verses 1 through 12, James writes about the impossibility of taming the tongue. In verse 8 specifically, he says, But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Yet we know from Galatians 5, 22 and 23 that self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. So as brothers and sisters in Christ, we must use that self-control control and be careful what we say to one another, or we lo risk losing relationships, and may even cause someone to lose their soul. Many people leave the church because of hurt feelings, and often never darken the door of a church building again. You know, personality conflicts are, are just a fact of life, and they are unavoidable. But we need to learn to handle these situations as adults and in a biblical manner. I'm reminded of Romans 12, 18, which states, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. You know, I, I'm not sure how many times I'll get to be up here, and so I'm just going to take advantage of it while I'm up here. As adults, I believe we can all handle constructive criticism. I think most of us, if not all, appreciate it when someone points out some way that we can improve. However, there are times when people will say things that are that, to other people in a less than constructive manner. A lot of times people are... are more interested in a gotcha moment with somebody than pointing out someone's mistake in, a, in a, an adult manner. I often tell my kids that it isn't necessarily what you say, it's how you say it. In these moments, how you deliver your message has every bit to do with how your message can be received. You know, we are blessed at this congregation to have excellent elders and an outstanding preacher. We need to be cautious when we bring criticisms to either the elders or Mike that we do it in a positive way. We need to make sure that we bring our criticisms from a place of love and out of a desire for spiritual growth and not out of a self-motivated desire to see things done our way or to complain about how events unfolded that didn't go our way. Without a doubt, we should respect these offices that these men hold. But not only that, these men as individuals have also earned our respect. 
And for the record, I was not instructed to say those things. That was all me. The third and final moment I want to look at comes from the movie Hacksaw Ridge. This movie follows a man by the name of Desmond Doss. Mr. Doss was a member of the Seventh-day Adventist denomination, which at the time was well known for its pacifist beliefs. Mr. Doss had a deep desire to serve his country, especially after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, but was bound by his pacifist beliefs. He found a way around this by becoming a medic. After facing a potential court-martial for disobeying the order to carry a weapon, Private Doss was given permission to go into battle without any weapon to defend himself. While the movie portrays Private Doss as a combat novice as he gets to the island of Okinawa, Private Doss had actually already experienced action on Guam and in the Philippines prior to this. In fact, he actually had already earned two bronze stars. On the island of Okinawa, Private Doss's unit was tasked with driving the Japanese off of an escarpment nicknamed Hacksaw Ridge. During the battle, his unit was driven off the ridge while sustaining heavy casualties. Uh, and the rest of the unit descended the, the ridge, but Private Doss stayed behind against orders and began to assist the wounded. He began lowering wounded men down the ridge using a rope. As Private Doss continued to rescue soldier after soldier, he prayed, Lord, please help me get one more. After getting the next soldier down the ridge, he would pray again, Lord, please help me get one more. When questioned after the battle, Private Doss, ever humble, thought that he had saved probably around 50 men, and his fellow soldiers on the ground who were receiving all the soldiers he had sent down the ridge said it was probably closer to 100. They decided just to call it in the middle and, and say 75. Desmond Doss went on to win the Congressional Medal of Honor for his acts of heroism. The extraordinary accomplishments of Desmond Doss give us uh, several lessons. First of which is, we will face casualties. Whether it be the physical injury or death of one of our brothers and sisters or possibly the spiritual death of one of our number. We'll come back to the spiritual concept in just a moment, but I wanna focus first on the physical reality of life. I have been attending this body of believers for almost 20 years now. We have lost so many wonderful people in that time. I think of Doris Morris, Lee Gentry, Joy Anderson, Kevin Middleton, and the list could go on and on and on. Uh, unfortunately, it seems that we are once again going to suffer loss when we lose our brother, Jimmy Lynch. These losses always bring such pain and grief, but we are blessed to know that there will come a day when we will see these wonderful people again. As a body of believers, though, we, just like a military unit, we must continue with our fight even while we lose our brothers and sisters. We must continue with a next man up mentality so that we continue to advance the cause of Christ. You know, there will come a day when we lose a couple like Jack and Carol Hall, and I pray that day is a long time from now. How can we ever begin to, to replace that kind of service that they provide to this church? It seems to me that it will take hundreds of us to even come close to closing the kind of gap that will be left opened when that day does come. Yet, we will need to find a way to continue on. The, the same could be said about Robin and Nancy Wright, Phil and Greta Blankenship, Titus and Lena Black. Harold and Jeanette Rowlett, Owen and Rhonda Barnes, and the list could go on and on and on and include every one of you in this body of believers because you all bring irreplaceable value to this congregation. I want to challenge those of my generation and younger to be sure that we are looking to the future and preparing ourselves for the day when we lose the spiritual giants among us. We have big shoes to fill and we must be prepared to step up and lead. Now going back to the spiritual side of this concept, 
we come across spiritual casualties every day. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5 tells us, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. We encounter people daily who remain dead in their trespasses. Like those wounded men on top of that ridge, they are in need of rescue before time runs out on them. Do we spend the time to seek these people out, ignoring the danger of ridicule and rejection, and like Desmond Doss, risk it all and bring them to safety? Like Desmond Doss, do we pray and ask God to please help us get one more? Is evangelism part of your life? I've heard many preachers say that for years that they preach to themselves first and hope that everyone in the audience benefits from what they preach to themselves. I can tell you tonight that I'm preaching to myself with this one. I know this is an area that I need to learn and grow in. We also come across wounded people every day, whether it be wounded people from just life circumstances or by continuing to let sin reign in their life. Do we seek these people out and help to bind their wounds? Do we pay attention to the hurting and suffering around us and bring them the comfort that only God can provide? Maybe tonight you are one of those people that are suffering and wounded, and you are in need of prayers of this congregation to help you through your circumstances. Maybe tonight you are one of those who are wounded by letting sin rule in your life, and you need to be restored back into the family of God. Maybe tonight you are someone who is still dead in your trespasses, and you are in need of being made alive together in Christ Jesus. Through the waters of baptism, that can be accomplished. You know, like Desmond Doss's prayer, we pray that God will grant us one more to add or restore to our number. If that is you tonight and you need to heed the call to enlist in the Lord's army, we ask you to come and meet our shepherds at the front as we stand and sing. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.